So I want to talk about taking over. And when I'm finished, I'm not sure today I'll pray for people. Maybe we'll sing taking over, taking over. <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> Hallelujah. Take over. Hallelujah. Taking over is a mandate. It's not a suggestion. Now, what is to take over? I want to define take over because we sang it. Let me break down. Take, take over. To take over is to assume control over something. Hallelujah. To take over is to assume control over something. It can be a territory, a system, an atmosphere, whatever you want. When you take over, you assume control. And when you assume control, you make the laws. If you cannot make the laws, you, don't, you haven't taken over. The moment you are able to, take, to make laws, you have taken over. Amen? So, so, so it's to assume control. You see, God does not, let me see this. God does not subdue things for us. He gives us power to subdue. Remember in the Garden of Eden, he didn't subdue anything. He said to Adam, you subdue. So God will not take over for you. He will give you power to take over. Hallelujah. God will not take over for you. Amen. He will not take over your workplace for you. He will not take over your your family for you. He will not take him over a Sabbath for you. He will not do that. He will not do that. God does not do that for his children. He empowers them to take over. He does not cast devils out for you. He empowers you to cast them out. There's a component of of, 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 of human role in all this. People that think God will do everything for me, they are losing. God does not do everything for you. God gives you grace so that you can do everything. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But who can do the thing? He didn't say, God can do all things. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hallelujah. So the doing is not God's jurisdiction. Hallelujah. The doing is you. The empowerment is him. So you cannot do it on your own abilities. You need the empowerment. Hallelujah. So when we talk about taking over, you can sing that song until you have gray hair and your teeth are out, everything. You are in old age home. You will not take over even a mosquito. You can't. It will not happen. I'll chase you from your own room. Take over is to assume control. Hallelujah. It's to assume control. Say taking over is to assume control. Hallelujah. 
Who wants to take over? Amen. If you want to take over, we need to learn how to take over. Let's go. In the Bible, there are people that took over things. And I want to start. I love the story of Abraham. So I want to start with Abraham. How did he take control? God said to him, uh, let's read in Genesis chapter number 12. Genesis 12. I want to go there. And now you will understand why so many people don't see what God told them. Yeah. Genesis 12. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Abraham. To Abraham. Yours is Abraham. Mm, you come in later. Now, <laughs> the Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country. Who must do the getting out? Did angel come and pull him? He must get out. From your family. From your father's house. To a land I will show you. Let's go on. Then I will make you a great nation. So unless you move, I can't. I want to make you a great nation, but you have to do something about it. You have to leave your family. You have to leave your relative. And when you do that, then I vow to make you a great nation. And then he said, I will bless you. So who does the blessing? Who does the, he said, who does the making of greatness? And he does the blessing. He said, I will make your name great. Not you making your name great. He will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And let's go. And then he, he, he said, and I will bless those who bless you. So he's saying to Abraham, the moment you are obedient to move, this is what I'm going to do. The moment you do a move, yeah, I will bless, I'll make your name great. And then he said, not only that, those who come in contact with you, because I have blessed you, when they come in contact with you, I'm obligated to bless them also. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonor you, I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. But this will not happen unless you move. So God can give you all the beautiful promises. Nothing will happen unless you do something about it. People that, that don't know the principle are waiting while God is waiting on them. To move, I will bless you. I will give you a name of Canaan, but you have to go and take possession. I want to bless you, but you have to go and have put. So, and, and, and remember, God did not tell Abraham the how. He just told him the going part. When God says, I will give you this land in uh, Genesis 15, I think. When he made the covenant with Abraham, where he cuts those pigeons and stuff, he cuts them in two. It's, it's Genesis 15, I think. It's after, let me see if I have the right scripture. Mm. 
Okay, yes, it's Genesis 15. So God made a covenant with Abraham. And he said, I will give you the land. I will give you the land. And he said, but your children will be stranger in another land for four and uh, for 400 years. You can read all this in Genesis 15. But God did not tell Abraham how he's going to give him the land. I, when I read that, sometimes I wonder, but Lord, you say you're going to give him the land. How? Amen. The how. Mm, somebody say the how. Yeah. That's the problem of Christianity. Because we have the promises, but how to enter them. Hallelujah. If said to Abraham, Genesis 15 verse 5, say, then he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said, so shall your descendant be. And he believed in God and he counted him for righteousness. A childless man. God said, I will make your descendant numbers. And he believed. But he did not have children. But he believed. There was no children by that time. He did believe. Now, I don't want to dwell in that. Let me go to how he took the land. How he took the land. Now, I want you to understand that when Abraham entered Canaan, he had the wisdom that you cannot take over a land by willpower. You take over a land by marking territories in the spirit on the same land. Because when you are taking over, the inhabitant of a land will not know you are taking over. Abraham dwelt among them like a stranger, but it was his land. They did not understand that by the time Abraham came there, the land was already given to him. But remember, Abraham didn't go to Abimelech and say, hey, you have to move now. Because the Lord has given me this land. This is what he did. Genesis chapter number 12, verse 8. Genesis chapter number 12, verse 8. Let's read. From there, he moved to the hills country on east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west of Ai, on the west of Ai and the east. And there, he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. He built an altar. He built an altar. But do you know why he built an altar? Do you know why he built an altar? <laughs> he built an altar and called upon the name of the Lord. Meaning, he dedicated the land to the Lord. Amen. But why did he dedicate the land to the Lord? Because before Abraham entered the land, there were spiritual uh, activities. And the land was governed by spirits, which are contrary to the spirit of the Lord. And for Abraham to take the land, he needs to establish a system of worship that attracts heaven in the land that God has given him. So Abraham put an altar to connect heaven to that land. So when he built that altar and he 
call upon the name of the Lord. So when you want to take over something, the first thing you need to do is to introduce a culture that brings heaven to that place. Meaning, if it's an office, do not arrive at the same time with everybody if you have access. No. Because by the time you, everybody comes there, it's already settled. Do yourself a favor. Ask one day to come a bit earlier than everybody. Enter that office. <laughs> and, 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 and create a system in that office that attracts heaven there. Because what you don't understand is that spirits are attracted to place according to how they are called upon. So when everybody comes and everybody's angry and everybody's shouting and you are in the midst and you are praying, it does not work. You were supposed to do that before it starts. You were supposed to construct an altar. And you need to understand that an altar, I told you before, an altar is not built because you prayed once. An altar is a system of consistency. So when you consistently establish something, that's where heaven gets attracted. There's a consistency that attracts heaven in everything you do. So whatever you do once and you leave, you do free and you leave, it's not an altar. You need to be consistent and that, that call unto heaven. Let me tell you something. Sometime, let me go to the other side so that you can understand. I talk about the place in Langanoven Park and the sister say, no accident that happened there every month. It's a consistent altar. It's a consistent thing. I, 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 was, I was in Ivory Coast and there is a, a junction, a, a, a junction like was a four-way that they call the, the junction of death. Yes, it was, it was the name of a place. I'm not talking about we called it, it was written there. Yes, they call it the junction of death. In French, they say Carrefour de la Mort. It was not far from you. What the Christian did, they went there and they started to pray in the place. And then they changed the name, the junction of life. And that changed the whole culture of, of, of that place. And it's, they stopped to know, him as, uh, know it as a place of accident. Now we know it's a place of life. You cannot take over if you are lazy. Yeah. If you are lazy, it will take over you. Yeah. Abraham built an altar. He built an altar there. And there he called upon the name of the Lord. So he overturned the throne of all those people that are ruling. And he established Lord as Lord of Canaan. He called upon his name. He called upon his name. Hallelujah. Amen. Some of you want your family to change. You never show up there. You are afraid that we are witches. You are praying from far. <laughs> because you think if you go there, they will eat you up. Bribe you. <laughs> No, it's a lie from Satan. There must be a superior force that overturns the lesser force. So Abraham built an altar. Let's go again and see 
Genesis chapter number 13, verse. And you know, the altar was built in Bethel. So the first Bethel means house of God. Bethel, house of God. So the first thing that Abraham did is to bring a system of worship of God in the land. He built what you call the house of God, Bethel. Now, Genesis 13, 3 to 4. They say, and he went on his journey from south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai, uh, to the place of the altar which he has made there at first. And there Abraham called on the name of the Lord again. Hallelujah. So every time, you know what Abraham did? He built the altar, but he would go there from time to time. We call it servicing the altar. So, <laughs> so Abraham didn't just build the altar and go. He went and sometimes he would come back to that altar and remember what the Lord has done in that altar. One of the systems of taking over is to the remembrance of what God has done for you in the same place. It means that you become a person that praise God over the past victories. Amen? And he built another altar. Let's go to Genesis chapter 13, verse 18. They say, Abraham moved his tent and went to dwell by the terebinth tree of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. So Abraham first took over spiritually. A territory cannot be taken over if you don't take it over spiritually first. You need to assess the situation and understand that there will be a consistency in your spiritual activities in the area that will command that heaven comes down and visit that area. You need to understand that you cannot take over if the spiritual climate is not conducive to what you believe. So there's an altar to be built. I say there's an altar to be built. Why do you think when we say taking over the city, why do you think we started with a church? Because we understand that the system of worship in divine will be like a setup for us to be able to take the other territories. You never start by taking over physically. You always start by taking over spiritually. You cannot, let me come back again to your workplace. You cannot take over your workplace if you have not subdued your workplace in the spirit. If you have not walked on your workplace and believed like Joshua, every place that my, the soul of my foot takes, it has been given. If you don't have that mentality, you cannot take over a territory. Because before you came here, some people were ruling. No, its territory is not just allowing their dormant. There is always rulers in a territory. Even in the desert, there are rulers there. So you you not come taking over, taking over, taking over. Then you go home. No, it doesn't work like that. When you leave, somebody else comes. And you, you will not sing your song, you will sing another song. Make incantation on that place. And then you sleep, you can't wake up. But you are jumping, taking over, taking over. 
they breathe on you, they sleep on slumber, and you are finished. Do you know that, that they are, they are, the two kingdoms are pushing against one another? Do you think that the kingdom of darkness will say, bless you, take over? No, they will try to resist you. They will bring all their elements to distract you. That's why when you want to take over, they will start to distract your life so that you will not focus on what God wants you to do and you start to focus on the distraction. And while you focus, they are taking over. Hallelujah. Which area are you staying in? Yevosah. So you, you stay in Yevosah and you want to take over Yevosah. You buy a house there. But remember, before you bought that house, some people bought houses there. Amen? Mm-hmm. So you need to understand that people that bought houses there are not all good people in a sense. There must be a system that backs you. There must be a voice that backs you when you want to do something. And the voice that backs you is sponsored by your consistency in the kingdom. You, you cannot just do that. Say building an altar. It's not taking stones. We do that. Taking the stones, putting there, there. No, that stone can be kicked by anyone. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about stones. I'm talking about marking your territory in a way that when devil pass, they know somebody has been here. Uh-huh, uh-huh. They know somebody has been there. Look, Jesus was sitting and a woman came and brought the alabaster box and, and, and anointed his feet and his head and they say, and the room was filled with a fragrance. And do you know that when the fragrance filled the room, even when Jesus was gone, the fragrance was still there. So anyone that entered that room must know that something just happened here. So it's not the presence of the person that does it, it's the atmosphere that he leaves behind him. So that even when he can, he's not there, when Satan, oh, I smell something here. There was a place of worship. But worship unto who? Worship unto Yahweh. So you come where, where you, 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 you create, you create, the atmosphere in a place, in a way that demon can never know somebody has been here. Somebody was here. Even when I can't see him, I can feel him. Hallelujah. So, so, so if we tell you there's nothing to do, we are talking about the finished work of Christ. We are not talking about there's nothing to do as nothing to do. Amen. Yes. Even, even those who tell you there is nothing to do, see how they pray. Yeah. We tell you there is nothing to do. But check us after 1 a.m. We are not sleeping. But we told you there is nothing to do. We are lying to you. There is something to do. Because you cannot take over if you don't conquer yourself. Abraham, uh, Adam was instructed to take over. 
He wanted to take over. He has given name to the animal, but he forgot to subdue his flesh. In a way that when the temptation came, he had no feet to stand on. Samson was able to subdue Philistine, but he was not able to subdue himself, his appetite for sex. You are not hearing what I'm saying. Your appetite for the things of the world can be a stumbling block that will cause your downfall. While you are even equipped, you can still fall with your equipment in your hand. Samson fell with the strength of God in him. He did not sleep with Bathsheba after he was shaved. He did it before he was shaved, but he did it before. It's the fall that caused him to be shaved. So you don't fall because you are weak. You fall and then you become weak. <laughs> so you have no excuses in your fall. Because the equipment of God was in you when you were falling. The weapon of warfare were with you when you were falling. And it's only when you fall that the devil takes advantage of you. It does not take advantage before you fall. So I, I, I need to come tell you, we can dance, but there is something behind the dance. Christians are dancing, but they don't know that there is something that comes after that. Your gluttony in the world, that's what kills you. You are a glutton. You can't discipline yourself. You want to take over broom for 10, you start by discipline on oneself. You pray for some five minutes, you are sleeping, and you want to take over a whole province. If five, prayer, prayer, if five minute prayer could do, Jesus would have died five minutes in the garden of Gethsemane. You want to take over the business world, you want to take over the economy, start by going on your knees. There are battles to be won in the economic area. Satan will not, does not want you to be wealthy because the moment you are wealthy, you sponsor the kingdom of God. He wants you to be broke. Listen, Satan wants you to be broke. That's why he inspired a preacher to tell you poverty is holiness. He has even his preachers among you. You can speak in tongue, but you can't pay a bus fare to Johannesburg. What is that about? But people are lazy. Their appetite for food. They glorify the altar of foods. If you ask them to fast one day, it's like you are killing them. I want to push you into the island of God. I want you to go for, ay, 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 ay. I want to push you so that you may do what God called you to do. You know, he will make sure, Satan will make sure you have a nice bed and a nice pillow. You pull your blanket like this until 6 a.m. While everything is being taken over by Satan is at night. 
You are sleeping in the morning. The mercies are new every morning. No! No, my friend. I went to a country and 5 a.m. I was still sleeping. I heard, hello, what dog? I stood up. I said, my God. My God. <laughs> I said, these people are already up. And the pastor is sleeping. I said, my God. So when they say, hello, what dog? I say, hoka, fika, kata. Ikata, kata. Shoka, shoka. Son, he said, Before he comes up, I want to stand up and give glory to my God. And when they scream like that, they have locked up everything in the atmosphere. You do business, it's not working. But you see the business, the client, even when they close the shop for that time, clients are waiting. But Christian is standing there on Facebook. <laughs> he is on Facebook. While the other guys, they, are, they, are, they, are, they know what they are doing. They woke up in the morning, they take the water, they throw it in front of the shops. They, 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 they burn those demonic incense in front of the shop. Christians are on Facebook. Who is liking me? Who, who cares who likes you? This December, this December, be less on social media. Taking over. Taking over. I went to a mall and I saw. social media. I'm just eating chicken. <laughs> and you show it to a witch and you are bloated. I don't know why I'm bloated. <laughs> I just landed in Johannesburg. I'm about to take my next flight. You're going down. <laughs> why do you do an announcement for those things? the magis. The spirit of the Lord said to them, I will show you where the baby is. God put a star. They were following the star. When we came to Jerusalem, they stopped looking at the star and they went to the normal roots. They went to Erod. God never sent them to Erod. They went there by themselves and they nearly cost Jesus his own life. 
because they were a detour, a detour that we were not supposed to take. Let me tell you something. It's not everything you announce. When they woke up, it's already done. Whoa. Let me talk about the last altar that Abraham built. And then after that, we can sing taking over. <laughs> Hallelujah. The last altar that Abraham built in Genesis 22 verse 9. Genesis 22 verse 9. I want to actually go a bit uh, deeper than that. Genesis 22. Don't put it yet, my media team. Let me give you where I want to start so that uh, we can all be on the same page. Genesis uh, 22. Where am I now? Okay. Hmm. Genesis 22. I want to read from verse 3. Let's start with verse 3. Are you here with me? So Abraham rose early in the morning. He rose what? Not in the evening, in the morning. Saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him. Let's go. And his son Isaac, and he cut the wood. For the burnt offering. <laughs> and rose and went. Keep it there. Don't take it. I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something about that. God will not give you the wood for the offering. He will not even give you the animal for the offering. Hallelujah. He will tell you to bring your own wood. And your own sacrifice. The acceptance of the sacrifice belongs to God. The giving belongs to you. So he said, Abraham cut wood. Remember the old man. Abraham was old. He cut wood. Saddled his own donkey. He's preparing himself to fulfill a mission that God has given him. He could have prayed for translation. Lord, translate me to that mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but Abraham knew that there is a working that needs to take place when you want a miracle to be done. Miracles are not passive occurrences. Miracles demand the participation of the one that receives it. It means that a miracle will not happen to anyone that does not have the right expectation. You hear what I'm saying? So any miracle, you need to prepare for the miracle. Abraham needs to find the wood. He needs to find the fire. And then he needs to find his own donkey. And then he started the journey. Let's go. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God has told him. Let's go. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Let's go. Then Abraham said to his young man, stay here. With the donkey, I and the boy will go over and worship and come again. Remember what I told you in the morning? We're going to 
We're going to worship. I didn't hear. We're going to worship. Are we going to is he talking about going to sing? He's going, he's talking about going to lay something down. Worship, to worship is to lay something down. Are we going to lay something down? I said we're going to lay something One day I was praying for provision. I said, Lord, I need provision. I need provision. And the Lord says, you want the provision? I said, yes. He said, you do have the provision. I said, I don't. He said, you do. I said, what do you want me to do? He said, lay your provision down at my feet. He said, clear everything you have. I have a family. So before I come to church, I cleared everything. And I sat here. And we were having communion. I said to my wife, I just cleared everything. <laughs> she said, what? I said, yeah. I don't know how we're going to manage until the end of the month. But I cannot just do it if I don't obey. Guess what? We survived. And God told me this is an act of worship. He said, Worship is when it costs you something. You are quiet now. Because I don't talk about this thing. And some of you don't know how my life goes. Some of you see, oh, God's blessing with you. Say, oh, God's doing this and that. You don't know. And I'm not the one that will come and talk about this thing all the time. But I'm talking about worship. God said to Abraham, clear the floor. Abraham, Isaac was everything he had. It was the first time the word worship appeared in the Bible. In Genesis 22. The word proskuneo was mentioned the first time by Abraham when he was going to lay down Isaac. He called it worship. This worship that just calls you tears, nothing else. It's crying because you are emotional. I'm talking about when you feel to watch you know you have left something there. It happened to me twice. One day I was praying when we came to South Africa. And I wanted to go back home after my father passed on and I couldn't go because money was not lying around. And I went to pray and I said, Lord, I want to go back and see where my father was buried. I want to go and see my brothers. And I was praying. I saw a flash, a vision. My, my eyes opened. And God started to bring me my brothers and sisters. He said, who is this one? I said the name. He said, if you will not see him again in your life, what are you going to do? I said, God, what do you mean? And he brought all my family members in front of me. He said, I'm telling you, if you will not see them again, and I will never allow you to go back, what are you going to do? 
You know the story I'm talking about. And I say, Lord, I will obey. I cried. I said, I will obey you. And when I stood that veil, the provision was made for us to go and see them. But I needed to lay down their faces and the bond that I have with them and say to God, this is an altar of worship. And I didn't do it so that God can send me back. I did it because I thought it was over. You are quiet. You want to take over? Oh no, you're changing. You, 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 you're changing now your confession. You just say, God, just give me a bit. Let me rest. I just, I just want a corner. I don't want to take over. Uh, I'm talking about giants. People that know how to take over a territory. Then Abraham said, let go. Take the boy. And the boy said, Dad, where is the name? He said, on top of a mountain. The Lord shall provide Jehovah Jireh. They went on top of a mountain. Abraham was building the altar knowing that that altar was for his son. He put the stones. He put the wood. He put the fire. The last element was the son. And the son was stronger than Abraham by that time. And Abraham had to sit him down and say, son, let me explain to you something. I was barren. So it means you were not supposed to be here because I couldn't give birth. And the God of heaven gave me you. And he asked me to give you back to him. Would you allow that? And Isaac says, yes, Abba. I will allow it because I'm not, I'm not my own. So if the one that brought me here is calling me back, so be it. He lied on the altar and Abraham was about to stab him. And when he pulled the knife, the angel of the Lord said, Abraham, I have seen that now. You love me. And suddenly a realm was provided instead of Isaac. But Abraham has to go to the point of surrendering everything. The last altar to take over is when you surrender everything to God. Your will, your dreams, your ambitions, everything. If the Lord tells me not to preach anymore, I will struggle, but I will drop the mic and walk out because I didn't make myself he made me the last altar for taking over is when you die to your ambitions but I'm not just talking about your own ambition when you die even to the ambitions of God because Isaac was not Abraham's ambition Isaac was God's ambition he said, in you, all the seed of the earth, in your seed, all the earth shall be blessed. So, so, so Isaac was a dream of God for the future. But Isaac was given to Abraham. So Isaac became 
Abraham dreams also as well as God dreams. And God said to Abraham, kill my dream. And Abraham knew this is my breakthrough and God tells me to lay it down. How many of us after we have reached the peak and God said, calm down without anything. How many people are able to say, yes, Lord. After God has helped you and he has set you up and all the cameras are on you and God say, give it up. And then you have to walk away from that stage where you were on the spotlight again to be a nobody. While you have made your way to be a somebody, can we cope with that intensity of worship in this modern Christianity? Or can we go back to the mountain of Zion? Because in, the, in God's system, there can't be Zion without Golgotha. Golgotha gave birth to Zion. Maybe you were dreaming of something big and suddenly that thing went quiet. Are you able to still worship in the midst of a quietness where you don't feel any movement? There is no helper. There is no brother redeemer. There is no one to give you something for your pockets. Where it's a silence, a singer, not a silence of heaven, a silence of a no man name. What do you do? Are you going to bow your knees and say, Lord, I will worship you. You see, I saw a lady, she was singing at the funeral of her daughter. She went on and she sang the song that you guys sing. She was singing. You can continue. You are ever shining. You are. When she was singing, her tears were coming. You are. The, the coffin of her daughter was there. Jesus, the Lord of hosts, you are ever Shining, you are ever shining. 
Jesus, the Lord. While the woman was singing, her daughter was dead. And she stood to say, I will still worship my God, even if my daughter is gone. She sang with tears. Her face was full of tears. But her heart was singing. You are ever shining. Even in my darkest hour, you are ever shining. Even when I don't see my way, you are ever shining. That's a true place of worship. Worship is not just when everything is going well. Sometimes there is a place like that where we thankful, act of thankfulness of worship. But I'm talking about the worship that will allow you to take over. That worship, something needs to die first. You can't take a territory without a sacrifice. In this world where we are going, where, where it feels to you that your destiny is going nowhere, where it feels to you that nothing is moving around you, can you, can you still sing those songs I'm talking about? Or, or are you just singing because everything is going well? What are you in for? Are you in for God or are you in for yourself? I've seen that a lot. My sister passed on. I was not there. I was in another town. And they told me that when she went into a coma, she went into coma two hours and then she died. And they say when she died, my father held her and he started to sing also. And, and he, her name is Mary. They say he kissed her and said, Mary, I will see you soon. And he said, I must fulfill the duty for which God has called me here on earth before I see you. Two years later, my father also went to see her. But, but, but his heart was broken, but his spirit was not broken. His emotions were shattered, but he knew that I cannot deny God because of my emotions and my feelings. I want to take a territory, I need to be tough, so that even when it does not feel good, I can lay Isaac on the altar and put him there and say, God, if I have to go back without Isaac, so be it. But in your goodness, if you give me Isaac back, I'll go back with him. It's not about what I want anymore. You want a territory? A territory is won by sacrifice. Yes. Won by sacrifice. And can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? If you want, if you want to take territory, I talk about the finest. In the finest world, you need to let go. You need to let go of what you are holding on. I've done that few times in my life. Not big amount, because, uh, but I've done it a few times. When God asked me, what are you holding on there? And I need to be clever enough to know that doesn't matter. It's bigger than me. Are you able to take this territory? You need to have a system that will allow you to have wisdom for the territory God wants you to take over. There are actions that are required. Hallelujah. And I, I want to, I want to, I want to, 
to, to mention the last person. Look at how Joshua took over Jericho. Strategy was given. So you take a territory with a strategy of the Holy Spirit. Look in the book of Joshua chapter number six, God says, see, I have given you Jericho. God. He says, see, I have given you Jericho. They have to take over Jericho. But remember, when Moses died, they have to go through circumcision at Gilgal. And you know, circumcision is not a joke. Amen. So they have to cut off the flesh. Because God knew that those who were born never enter a covenant to subdue flesh. He has seen it with Samson. He's seen it with other people. And he said, this one needs to have a covenant of, a, of circumcising the flesh. They stayed in Gilgal. Gilgal is a place of regrouping. So everybody must have his Gilgal. Yeah. Every Christian must have his Gilgal because it's in Gilgal that you deal with the flesh. You cannot take Jericho if you didn't go through Gilgal. Amen. So he, he, he gave them a plan and he said to Joshua, but now, that way we do now, we are taking over. He said, okay, you're going to march. Because see, I have given you. So the first thing you need to do is to see that what God told you, he has already given you. It's not I will give you, say I have given you. So even when you are preparing yourself with everything I say, your eyes need to be open to know he has already given. You are not going to conquer, you have already conquered. So, so he says, see, I have given you Jericho, Joshua chapter number six. See, see, see. And remember the word see that God used there is not the word see of a natural sight. If you go and study it, the word he used, it have the eyes of an eagle. That can perceive things beyond or beyond the natural senses. So when the walls are still standing, you see them down. He's talking about a, a, the ability to have vision in the midst of opposition. Jericho was securely locked and God says, see, I have given you Jericho. A fearful man cannot see because a fearful man sees the natural. And God said, see, I have given you. If he say, I have given you, it means there is no walls anymore. So while the walls of Jericho were standing, it was down. Joshua could see, because he saw the commander of God's army. And he said, go, I've given you Jericho. If you read Joshua 5, you'll see the commander of the Lord's army meeting with Joshua. Where we say Joshua rose early and he met the commander of the Lord's army. And Joshua 6, he says, see, I've given. And he gave instructions. He said, you march around the world every day once for six days. And on the seventh day, you march seven times. And when you finish, you shout. And when you shout, the walls will come down. But the walls were already down. Now, he's talking now about the manifestation of already has already happened. So the moment you think you don't have a breakthrough, you don't have the eyes of a spirit. Because it's already done. You just need to go through the wisdom that God gave you to acquire what he has given you. So on the seventh time, when they blew the trumpet, my friend, the world collapsed. And when the world collapsed, let me tell you, I've been to Israel a few times. 
let me say many times, I've been there, and, and you know, we traveled through the desert of Jericho, and they showed us the old Jericho, the place it was. But one of the things in those days that the walls were fortified, so it's not just small pillars, it's big. So if it collapses, you can't run. Because the pile that you will create, you can't go there. Do you understand? And he said, everybody right run ahead of you. He didn't say climb rubbles. He said run ahead of you. Which means that the walls of Jericho collapsed like powder. He made a way where there was no way. They went and they took Jericho. But there was one part of the wall that didn't collapse. Do you understand? The wall collapsed, but there was one part that didn't collapse. And do you know who was staying there? Rehab. <laughs> the covenant that Rehab entered with the Jew stabilized the part of the wall. Even the instruction of God did not overcome that wall. Because God will not say something contrary to his word. And they said to Rehab, put a red scarlet uh, cloth. If you don't put it, you are responsible of your own death. So the cloth assures the security of the wall and the security of Rehab family. Can I submit to you that also in Exodus, the blood on the doorpost was a red cloth that the Jew put. So now there is a better cloth, the blood of Jesus. That's secu- oh my God. Many people read it. But they don't understand that the part of the real world didn't collapse. The power of covenants. She entered covenant with them. And that secured the part of a wall. Now, on another encouraging note. Doesn't matter how the world is collapsing, your part will stay still. I said, doesn't matter what is collapsing. A thousand will fall at your side. And 10,000 at your right side, it shall not come near you. He said, with your eyes, you will see the reward of the wicked. Because he has put his trust in me and because he loves me, I will protect you in the time of trouble. I'm telling you that when things are collapsing, don't be afraid. There is a part of the world that cannot collapse because you are on that part of the world. So we need to come back to being intentional about what we want. You know what the Lord told me one time? He said, what do you want? And I said, no, you say you want to give me the city to take over. He said, okay, that is fine. I said it, but you need a discipline. Yeah, you need a discipline because I said it, but you are not the first one to whom I said I said to many, but they couldn't get it. Not because I lied, but they were not prepared. So the promise God made you, you are not the first one. Salvation was offered to the Jews. Hebrews 4 said they did not receive it because they don't mix the word they receive with faith. Therefore, they missed the appointment with destiny. Every prophecy over your life has already been given somewhere, somehow, and somebody failed to receive it and God pass it on to you. Are you going to miss it yourself? The way God says he will use you, he has already said to some people that way. Yeah. 
Yeah. It means you, you are not the first one to say your voice will travel through nations. He has said that to many people. But how many people position themselves to what God said? Tonight is a repositioning night. I say it's a repositioning night. It's a night to deal with, a, it's a night to circumcise the flesh and put away, do away with things of the flesh. It's a night to take violent decisions. Uh, some of you need to move out of pornography, please. You are quiet. It will destroy you. A pleasure for one second will destroy your destiny. Some of you need to move away from lust. You need to move away from lying tongue. Uh, this is in the gospel. <laughs> Some of you need to make radical decisions for God tonight. And say, Lord, I want to be a yielded vessel in your hand because I want to take over. Some of you, you are spending too much time on your cell phone. You have a problem if you leave your cell phone at home, but you don't have a problem if you leave your Bible at home. Now the Bible is in the cell phone, so it's the same. Listen, when the internet goes down for one hour, look at the state in which we are. There's no internet. Do you have connection? There's no connection with my cell phone. Do, do, do you have a connection? What are you looking for? My father needed, never knew internet, but he lived a good life. Now we are now advanced. What are you looking for? Junk stuff. Junk stuff. Junk stuff. Drop it. Drop it. You will not be unique if you are common. You will not be unique if you are common. But uniqueness starts with a decision. If you want to be common, go the route of everybody. Spend 10 hours on the net. Look at all the last release. Look at them. You will be like everybody else. But spend your time with God and you will be like a Davidic generation where you know that in the wilderness the Lord is with me. When you see Goliath, you know he's not circumcised. When you see all these people, you know I'm going to eat them up because the Lord has given them to me. Can somebody tonight stand up and pick up his hand and say, Lord, I want to make violent decisions in my life. I have wasted too much time playing with the harlots. I have wasted too much time playing in, Lord, in Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes, yes, Lord, love the pleasures of wealth and riches. The Bible says in the book of Genesis 13, when God asks, when Abraham asks Lord, where do you want to take? They say, look, he saw the green lane. Lord never went to Sodom. He stayed near Sodom. But by the time, <laughs> he stayed so near Sodom that by the time they found him, he was already in Sodom. But originally he didn't stay in Sodom. He stayed near Sodom. Some of you are staying too near sin. <laughs> because sin looks green. And the moment you realize you are a slave in Sodom, and somebody will have to rescue you.
in the name of Jesus, stay away from Sodom. I say, in the name of Jesus, stay away from Sodom. In the name, I, I charge you in the name of Jesus, stay away from everything that will swallow you and distract you and make you common. I refuse to be common. I refuse to be common. I want to be unusual. So now it's the time. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, it's like I press your bubble because... <laughs> You were like, the dam will come now. <laughs> and suddenly you're like, ah. ah. I'm not here to make you happy. Yeah. Listen, my mission is not to make you happy clappers. My mission is to make you uncommon. And if you cannot submit to this discipline, the door is there. You can go. But if you want to submit to this discipline, God will turn your life completely around and make you a burning, a burning fire into his hand and you will be able to change nations. I'm tired of training people that sit on the pews of a church. I want to train world changers. People that go out there and make a, oh my God, make a difference for God. This is, this is elite force. We're not here to train casual officers. We are here to, pray, to train an elite force. Now, if you want to be casual, I can show you some churches where you can go. Not here. <laughs> they, they will not move you. I don't know their names, but they don't move you. Here we tell you, get out of your lifestyle. That does not glorify God. Serve God with all your heart and God will lift you up and you'll be an instrument in God's hand and God will use you in the city. He will use you in the country. He will use you in the nation. You will go to nation and people will say, what kind of men are you that don't know that you have been through something? You have been through the fire. You have been through the flood and at the end, God brought you to a land of plenty. I'm praying for people that have made up their mind that say, doesn't matter what happens, I will stick with the Lord. Yes. I want you to help me. This is our last service of the evening. God wants to recruit people that are violent in the spirit. You know, in Ivory Coast, when we were young, there was an elite force. They called them commandos. Now, they are different from the police that we know. These guys, when there is a riot and they deploy them, the riot is over. You see, when they come to town, they look like mad people. They don't play. If they hear that they want to release everybody, these people, everybody goes home. Doesn't matter your petition. You go home because you know when they come to the street, they don't play. You see, God wants to raise up an army. And when the demons see them, they go back to hell. You don't even send them there, they go them willingly because they know what you're going to do to them is too bad. So they just, let me go back. Hell is better. Hell is better than meeting this guy. I, I want people that are, that are violent in this room that say, I refuse to be common. I refuse to be common. I say, I refuse to be common. I refuse. I want to be peculiar. I refuse to be common. And 
I want God to give me grace to go out of a common thing and to discern what is, and to make a difference between what is common and what is holy so that I may set myself on the tower. Oh my God, you know my dream? Ivan, you know my, Ivan, you know my dream? It's to see you guys. You see, you are wearing a military. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That is not by chance. I want to see you guys in the spirit, eh? taking over. So that one day, when I look back, I say, God was good to us. That these guys, they are taking over. I want, I want to train a generation of people that the world will glorify Christ through them. I want to train a generation of people that are not, that are not concerned about comfort, comfort anymore. They are, they are concerned about the mission and they want the mission done. And it doesn't matter what it costs for the mission to be done. They'll be willing to pay that price just for the mission to be done. People that will be not tired but will run for God like never before. Filled with the Holy Ghost with fire. I'm looking for that generation of people that say, listen, we are tired of playing church. We are tired of fighting among denominations. We want to be a people that promote God's agenda, not my own anymore. Father, here I am. The Father of God will come upon you now. I say, the Father of God will come upon you right now. You will see the Father of God. Leave him. You will see the Father of God. Just stand there, but you will see the Father of God. The Father of God will come upon you. In the name of Jesus, I say the fire of God is coming upon you to change you into what you are. Is prophetic to what I'm preaching tonight. I'm raising up an army, a type of people that are not afraid of demons, people that are not afraid of Satanists, people that say, when I'm there, Satanists cannot operate because I'm standing in that place of righteousness like never. A people! Woo! Look at the fire of God upon him. A people of God. Whoa. A people that said, no, enough is enough. You know, when I came to Bloomfontein, they said they gave Neville Hill to the Satanists. God said, go there. We went to Neville Hill in those early days. We went to a room. It was blood. Somebody wrote there with blood. I said, what a loser are you? Who, who, who called you to come to Neville Hill? And we stood there and prophetically we decree that in the name of Jesus, there will be a change in Neville Hill. Go there today, you will see what has happened. They have, they have put a gate there. This one was decreed in 2005 when I came to Bloomfontein those days. We went to Devil Hill and we said we're changing the history of Neville Hill. No longer this will be a place where people come to do sacrifices. Neville Hill shall be a place where Christians come to worship God. And listen, we saw it over the years, the gathering that took place at Neville Hill because somebody dared to decree that it's over. And I was not the only one decreeing. We went with a couple of people, Christian. I know some people that were faithful in going there every week. I didn't go there every week, but they went there every week to, re to release the fragrance of God upon the city. And today we can see the result of all sin. Who is who to say what? The Bible says, who is a man that can speak and make it happen when God commanded it not? Father, I want people tonight. I want people, this is my last service. I want people that will not just make a plan to go to the beach. I want people that will make a plan for the salvation of lost souls. 
I want people that will spread an atmosphere around them wherever they go. I want people, we, we are all talking about corruption and this and that and that, and God is looking at us, and God says, what are you going to do about? There need to be somebody in this generation that arises and say, me, I will not do corruption. If you want to do business with me, you do it the clean way or you don't do business with me. I need, we need people like that. Even if I have to lose millions of rent, I will lose. If I, have to, if I have to win it through corruption, I refuse to win anything through corruption. My God is so big, he can give me something without corruption. Father, where are, where are the people that tonight says, I want to radically make a statement tonight and say, Father, you call me for big things. I don't want to do little things anymore. I want to stand on my tower watch and see what the Lord is going to tell me. God, 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 where are these people? Where are the people that tonight say, I'm resolute, I'm resolute, I'm resolute, I'm resolute, I'm resolute. I don't want me to be among the common anymore. Oh, the power of God will come upon you and God will raise you up in different sectors of life. God will raise people in ministry. You will raise people as teachers. You will raise people as businessmen. You will raise people, oh my God. God wants to raise a new generation of people that goes through the land and do the thing that God wants them to do in righteousness.